This is a Baby Brunch podcast. This is a Baby Brunch podcast about ordinary women who do extraordinary things. And I'm really privileged because I get to call people up and say, I really believe in you. I believe in your story. I believe in what has happened to you. And I believe in your future. In 2017, Renee was diagnosed with something that changed her entire life, her entire world. And I actually remember seeing your your pictures on Facebook thinking, I need to call you up. I need to have a conversation with you because I was just so scared that I would never have the chance to do so. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about victory. We're winning. Let's get to childhood. I want to know, who is Renee Smith? My name is Renee, Renee Smith. I grew up in Matrosfontein where I stay most of my life until... Um, 2006, where I bought my own house. I love Matrosfontein. My parents have have their church there. My fondest memory about Matrosfontein is Wednesday nights when it's youth, and we're all standing outside, and then youth starts at 7.30, and we all go inside, and we have a really good time, and we're safe. Even though the area wasn't that safe, we felt really safe inside the church. And the other memories I have around Matrosfontein is some of our friends that survived that kind of life because a lot of the times it's tough. And I also have memories of some of our friends passing on because they were murdered or they were in accidents because they chose to lead a different life. What was exciting about growing up for you? Just being a child and having friends and we used to belong to the youth in Matrosfontein because um, where I live, the church was just in the next road. We grew up basically in the church, in the youth, and it was it was a nice time for us being youth because every Wednesday meeting up with the youth, and that time the youth were very busy and we were very involved in the church. It was Mondays, it was Every day, but we didn't care because we as friends, we that is our time where we um, meet up together and make plans for our next coffee gatherings and stuff. For me, that was a nice part of my life, the church. Is jij your mama geken? Ik was geboren um, voor my ma getrouwd. Ik was groot gemaakt door my oma. So ik het nog rarig nooit... Um, met my ma opgegroei nie, want van het ek gebore is, het ek, toe ek my oor opmaak, toe was ek by my oma. Ja, my ma was daar, ek het geweet, sy is my ma, maar ek het nog nooit rarig met haar opgegroei, en die ma, die dochter, ma verhouding met die ma gehad, het ek het maar dit met my oma gehad. My ma het um, 27, het my ma afgesterf, as gevolg van longkanker, my oma, by week groot geword het, het in 1982, het sy ook um, weenskanker afgesterf, so dit het my basis alleen gelaat. So ek moes basis my eie, op my eie bene staan, daarna was ek groot gemaakt door my tanny, tot en met, um, ek nou uit die huis uitgetrek het. 
Ik denk vanaf um, 1982, na my oma afgesterf het, het het vir my geleer om, René, om op jou eie bene te staan. En dit is wat, wat vir my gemaakt het vandag, die persoon wat ek is, van ek moes geleer het, René, daar is nie meer iemand op wie jy kan terugkyk, iemand wat jou kan help nie. Hier moet jy begin te sorg. En ek was maar jong, ek was, ek denk daar het, was het die ou, staan het 6, so van basically van die tijd af moes ek maar geleer het om op my eie recht te kom. You're a mom yourself. Yes. Tell me about your children. Ek het twee seens, a name trick het ek ges- then I studied for a teacher. That was my desire. I always wanted to be a geography teacher because that was my favorite subject in school. So I went to UWC the University of the Western Cape, where I studied for a teacher's diploma. And in my third year, I got pregnant with my first child. That was a really a wow moment for me because I was on the verge of my studying. I was, that was the year, the year 1990 was the year when my child was born. And that was the year when I was supposed to start with my practical teaching. I think the school's name was John Ramsey in um, Bishop Blavis. And I couldn't because that that was the time when Ronaldo, my eldest son, was born. My dreams were shattered because I always blame my son for my dreams that I couldn't fulfill. And I couldn't proceed with the studies because that time the diploma course that I've done was a full-time. I couldn't do a part-time course. So at that moment, I have to choose between my studies or my child. And I had to choose my child that time and I have to give up all my plans and stuff of being a teacher and an instant I had to be a full-time mother. Being a single mother at that early age of my life, I was devastated. I couldn't really accept my child that time because he was the one that shattered my dreams and I couldn't give him that time I couldn't give him that love that a parent was supposed to give a, um, a child love because he was in my plans, standing in my future plans. But I've learned to love him. And for me, in 1992, my second child was born. And it was very difficult for me being a single mom, raising two children on my own. I had to go out and leave my children. I think Ronaldo, my eldest son, was three months old. Then I had to start working. And I work as from that time, I am still working now. In the same company? No, not the same company. I used to work for a company in Gurud or Skava for 10 years. And then I started at Sunlam in the year 2000. And I'm still working for Sunlam now. What's your relationship like with your sons now? I have a 
What can I say? I have a good relationship with my sons, but because of that lack of parents during my childhood, I wasn't able to give my sons really that love. For me, it was always difficult to show them the love because I don't know how it is for a parent. For me as a child, I never experienced that love of a mother. So for me, it was difficult to give that love to my children. It was, it was really difficult, but I've tried, I've tried. I have a good relationship now with them. They are still living with me. The eldest one is 28 years old, and the youngest one is 26 years old. And I have a grandchild oh, also. Wow. Yes, he's six years old. You're a very young granny. <laughs> yeah, I am. Rena, we started this podcast talking about when I realized that you were ill. And money can't buy health. Tell me what you were struggling with. What Was it a headache? Yes, I was actually struggling with headaches for so many years. It was headaches, headaches, headaches for how many years. And I've been to different doctors in Every doctor has been treating me for migraines, headaches, stress. And then I went to another doctor and they have been treating. So they never sent me for scans. They, because of the nature of my work, I have ended up at emergency units at hospitals where they also only treated the symptoms. Wait a minute. So you have a headache. And you end up in ER, but still they think it's just a headache or... And they were putting me on drips and then afterwards and keeping me there for an hour or two and then they send me home. Everybody at work know me. Renee and a headache are similar to each wow. other. I had a bag which was loaded with different kinds of tablets. You name a color, I had it in my bag. So I was almost like addicted to tablets until I think it was um, the end of 2016 where I got sicker and sicker and sicker. It affected my vision. I was tired most of the time and it affected my work. Mm. But everybody just thought it was migraine. So my tablets was just on my desk at my table. In 2017, the beginning of 2017, it got worse until the 28th of February 2017. That was the day I was struggling. I was busy with uh, with my with supervision at work. I couldn't do it. In it affected my vision. I couldn't see the work on the computer. You mean up until this point, no one has thought it could be more than just a migraine or... Everybody was just because, like I told you, they, Rene, and they didn't take me serious because they said Rene and a headache, oh, that's mm. a... So no one took me serious that time. So the 28th of February, I was struggling. I think it was after 
supposed to. I got sick. I think I went to the printer just to fetch something, but I couldn't walk. I was holding on to something while I was walking. I couldn't see in front of me. And on my way back, I, I, I don't know, I just passed out and I collapsed. At work? At work. Everybody was just in, what is happening now? And then they called the doctor and they took me with a wheelchair down to the um, doctor's room at Sunlam and I was laying there because they couldn't give me something because they don't know what it is. And they phoned my life partner and he fetched me at work and he took me to the doctor there in Matrosfontein. I got there, I was sick, I couldn't open my eyes and the doctor was treating me for nausea and pain and he gave me that tablets and he sent me home. Oh dear. And I went home. I think I, um, my life partner that time, he took me to his place and I was sick and he, was, he went to a pharmacy to buy me three migraine packs and I was drinking that stuff but that everything... I vomited everything out. And around 10 o'clock, I told him, I can't. I'm, I'm, I think I'm busy dying. And he took me to the hospital, to N1 City Hospital. And he told them, tonight is the last day that they're going to send me home. He is not going to take me home that night mm. until they do test. And he has insisted that they admitted me that night at um, N1 City Hospital. Yes, and I stayed there for the night. The 1st of March, I was still there. And then the morning of the 1st, they took me for scans, an MRI scan and a CT scan the morning. And then I went to the ward. And I was laying there and no one come back to me and tell me what is going on. Because I was waiting for my sick certificate. Because so that you can go home and go back to work. Yes, because it's migraine. That's yeah. what I thought. And then I think it was half past four. A doctor came in and he told me, Renee, I'm not your doctor, but I'm just here to give you the results of the scan. Yeah. And, and it was so cold and so in. Personal, and he said, "Yeah, Renee, Mrs. Smith, yes, your results. According to the scan, you've got this big brain tumor, and you've got swelling on the brain." And he said, "You don't need to worry. The neurosurgeon is on his way." Oh dear! I thought to myself, "You are giving me the news just like that, and the neurosurgeon is already on his way." And I was. Speechless, but luckily my cousin Deirdre just um, just popped in before she went home, just to see if I'm okay before I go home, and she was there when the doctor gave the news to me. She was out of words because she couldn't cry in mm. front of me because she had to be strong. Because when I got the news, I thought to myself, Renee, you are busy dying. You just got, I just got my death certificate. I was totally speechless. I was shocked because um, I'm not going to cry. Because um, I, I was waiting for my, um, for my migraine certificate. And then um, the neurosurgeon came and he said, Mrs. Smith, 
is and he was taking me to the screen just to see the tumor. He said, um, and he asked me a, a lot of questions. He said, Renee, according to the size of the tumor, he said the tumor is there for between five and seven years already. Are you trying to tell me that every time at work you had a headache or you were drinking these tablets or you were feeling unwell, it was the tumor that was busy growing? I think so, yes, because the doctors say the tumor was 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 growing by the day. And How they, big was it? It was almost bigger than a tennis ball. Oh, gosh. This is in your head? Yes, um, the left side of my brain, back side of the left of my brain. So, because I'm going to ask because I don't know. I mean... Could you not feel that that's where the headache is coming from? or At that time, the headaches was all over, over okay. all over in front, everywhere. I couldn't tell you there was a specific pain because I, the pain was all over me, all over. I'm speechless. I, when, when a tumor is at the back, so educate us, is it at the front where they can't operate? Yes, it's mostly the front, but at where my brain tumor was, that was... Um, wow, you can say was. Yes, okay. was, yeah. That was the part where they can operate. But the doctors say, um, the first words that the doctors say, Rene, the fact that you are still alive mm. is a miracle. I say, Rene, you was not supposed to live anymore. And and he asked me if I had any seizures or strokes or anything. I told him no, doctor. And he couldn't believe his eyes because of the of the effect of the tumor and the size of the tumor. He couldn't believe that I didn't have one seizure or one stroke. And he was comforting me, Serene. I will do everything in my best to get you back to normal and to save you. And um, yes, I was shocked. And he told me he's going to operate, but he couldn't because of the swelling, swelling on, yeah. on my brain. So I was in hospital laying for 15 days before the brain tumor operation. And there was so many people that come to visit me because everybody thought, it was my last days and everybody was there just to come and show the respect for me, um, just to come say the last greetings to me. And I was also, but my room, every night my room was almost, I had almost more than 60 people that came. And because of the, the effects, the side effects, because it affected my speech, it causes lameness in my arms. So you can't move or walk? Yes, yeah. So everybody was asking, while I was laying there, everybody was asking me questions. And it affected my um, vision and my mind. So while I was talking to you now, to the person in front of me, and I was explaining, and then I have to stop. And then I said, what did I tell you now? Sure. And then I have to repeat again. Because you can't remember. I can't remember. And I was talking slowly. But then my cousin came and he said, no, no, no. Then he had to stop all the visitors. And he have um, nominated one person in the family mm. to speak to the people because I couldn't speak like fluently anymore. 
I couldn't do, I couldn't wash myself, I couldn't feed myself while I was laying there. Did you think you were dying? Yes, I thought I was dying. But there were so many people that, yes, that was the main thing because brain tumor, that was the first thing that crosses my mind when the doctor gave me the um, gave me the diagnosis and told me that you've got this tumor and you've got this swelling on the brain. So I thought I was dying. But church people come in and they come in with a positiveness and people come and they pray with me. So... My room was filled with prayers. And positivity. And positivity. Mm. And, you know, the day of the operation, the 15th of March, I experienced the most calmness day in my life mm. because I was the first on the list for the operation. My cousin was there as she came from. She was staying in a retreat. She came from retreat almost past four in the morning to be there for me. For when they start? No, not for, to, to prepare me. Wow. To give me, because I couldn't do anything. anything to put me in the shower. Wow, Renee. And the day before that, um, she came in, because you know, everything has to be perfect. And she did my hair in the hospital. And I give her instructions. You must remember when the operation is finished, you must see that my hair is fine. It's and shame, everything. Because you're thinking of... of Yes, and she came in and to prepare me to um, um, to give me my shower and make my hair um, palatable, everything for the prepare me for the operation. When they come to fetch me for the operation, I, I experienced, like I told you, the most calmness day in my life because everybody prayed for me. I prayed for me. I was positive that God's going to, do something for me. And that's with that positiveness and that um, my hope that I've put in my in God, I went into the operation. Where on your head do they remove the tumor? How do they do it? And most of the stuff, because it affected my mind also, I couldn't really... Recall most of the stuff. Eh? Right. I have to ask people. Mm -hmm. I couldn't remember. Do you remember me? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. Yes, the the brain tumor was at the back of the left left side of my brain. So they shave your hair. Yes, the whole part of um, the left side. Because your hair is long now and it's lush and beautiful. Yes. Is so it the same as before? Yes, it grew because. I told the doctor, the first thing the doctor told me, what is, what is how he's going to do the operation and how many years going to cut off because doctor, my hair, my hair, and you know. So the doctor shaved most of most part of the From left. the side, okay. Yes, so I was without hair for a few months. Did you see what they removed? No, I didn't. They didn't show me. When you woke up, after the operation, what did you feel? I woke up in ICU and the first thing that I've asked when I ask someone, is my hair fine? <laughs> <laughs> is my hair fine? And oh wow. And they say, Rene, you are looking beautiful. But afterwards when I saw the pictures oh. <laughs> 
but they just wanted to. They wanted you to feel good. They wanted to feel, let me feel good. So um, when I open my eyes, I say, thank you, Lord, I'm alive. I'm alive and I've survived this operation. So I was in ICU for a few days. And in that time, I have to literally start learn how to walk again mm. because I couldn't walk. I had physiotherapists there that literally um, teach me how to walk again because I couldn't do anything for myself. How many operations did you have? After that operation, I was basically in hospital for almost in in N1 city for 30 days. And then they sent me to rehab. Mm. In the first week, they sent me home because I couldn't um, went home. But they sent me home for an hour or two on, on a Saturday. So my aunt noticed that there was something different on that wound. So I went back and the doctor which examined me, also noticed there was something different. What was it? Uh, There was something, a swelling on that. Something was just different happening on on the wound. And she immediately booked me into hospital again. So um, I went to N1 City. I can't... I'm sorry for the loss of memory because I have lost some memory can't recall the rehab's name, but it's just opposite um, in one city mm-hmm. hospital. So I was hospitalized the Monday again into in one city hospital. And the, the Tuesday, they opened the wound again. Wow. What did they find? It was just a swelling. I can't, I can't recall, but, the, but they did another operation on, mm-hmm. that, on the wound again. So I have to stay in hospital for longer. So the total of days that I stayed in hospital and have to recover was 30 days in, in, in one city and 16 days in Rie. When you look back, I mean, I, you're a miracle because you've had two operations on the part of your entire body that makes you do everything. Remember, drive, function, eat, walk. Yet you, yet you remember stuff because you can recall dates. What kind of side effects? Is on never effector? Is there stuff that you know you are unable to do? Not really. There is some certain side effects that it may or may be seen on So it can be lekker me sinif in for all nari operasi. Het ek hierdie um, angstig in my, angstigheid in my om te rui. So, um, ek kon nie meer rui nie. Um, omdat ek hierdie, hierdie, hierdie anxiousness in my het gemaakt dat ek nie meer achter een wiel kon sit nie. Dat het my so fysisch te besteer? Te besteer, ja. So, gelukkig... But you can remember, I, I, I'm, I'm yes. shocked you can remember things. Yes. You remember to be here today. Yes. I, I remember recent, the stuff that was happening after the operation, but not before the operation. There's certain stuff that to an extent that I remember, but then there's certain stuff that I I literally has to ask people, what did happen? What did? Mm. 
And I started to drive, but when I started to drive, I always had somebody with me. Okay. So um, that was a time when I was on disability because after the operation, I was on disability for 16 months. So, so what does that mean? You you were I was, re, I was you were at home. I was at home, but um, I had my therapy still. I had to see occupational therapists, therapists. and I had to see psychiatrists and psych- um, all that stuff. Silkundigers in Amalda, and nearly sixteen months. Rena, I'm listening to your story, and I can't help but think that there's someone listening to this podcast, and they're saying, but my aunt had a brain tumor, and she didn't survive it. Or, I've had a brain tumor, and I can't remember. Or, how do you stay so positive? How How is it that you survive all of this? You are one of the most positive people I know. Um, Ilana, I've, after the operation, I was just thankful to God for a second chance because it's not everybody because when I was um, got home after um, I've been in hospital then there was someone in church also with a brain tumor Mm. one of the members in um, child was also diagnosed with a brain tumor Mm. and when I was just out of hospital I attended his funeral And that 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 struck me the most because then I was my gratitude towards God for um, sparing my life because, like the doctor say, Rene, you uh, uh, was a miracle because you were not supposed to sit here today, and because the size of the tumor and all that stuff and. And that's why I, every day, I thank God for every new morning that He's adding to my life. And I can open my eyes because if it hasn't been for God and what He has done for me, it was He alone that I healed me. And after this operation, I have a different, I get a different mindset of believer. Ik het na dit, het ek, het ek gevoel, ek het um, God het my een tweede kans gegeen. Ek het my lifestyle totally verander. As from last year, because um, it was all about my children. It was all about my work. And ever since last year, after the operation, I changed my mindset to Renee. I love that. Let's focus on you, yeah? Yes, I changed my mindset. I told I told myself, Rene, mm. 2018 is going to be all about you. I changed my eating habits. I changed my health. And I surround myself with positive people. I love that. You mean through, I mean, I know I asked the question, but but you to the extent that you fool, you with yourself with other means, yourself, Omarang? Yes, I, I love that God so much. put two wonderful friends along my way, Helena, Eleanor, and they are the people that have a really a positive influence on my life. That is the people that every day that keep me going 
And that was my vision for 2018, just positiveness. And as from last year, um, when I changed my mindset about my just being a different Rene, I've lost almost 25 kilos. You go, girl. I've, <laughs> yes, I've lost. And I, you look amazing. And I am now so into fitness, you, Ilana, you won't believe me. <laughs> That's it. This is a fitness podcast. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Yes. Because you decided to focus on you. Yes. I'm going to say this because, Joe, I've got so much that I want to ask you. So a mom that has always felt that, you know, it's about your children and because of an illness, it made you zoom in on your own life. Like what can you change about yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Because we, because motherhood does that and it's supposed to, I guess, where it's all about our babies, you know? Yes. But you also have to look after you and now you are. Yes. Have you been back to check whether you're clear? Yes. I think it was the last um in 2017, October, on my birthday, October, the 30th of October, and then the headaches started again. Mm-mm. The headaches started again, and I was worried. And then I went for an MRI scan again, and the results was this was no tumor. Wow. The, the doctor said it was because of the, the stuff that's growing back together. Okay. And that is what causes the the, the pain. pain. Just now in November, with this fitness being a different mm. Rene, yes. the 27th of November, I went for a hike, me and my friend Ruben on Lion's Head. And I was fit. I was <laughs> doing that hike. But when we come down, I had my first seizure. Okay after the operation and it was a severe one on that mountain and you had it on the mountain yes while i was while we was busy um, climbing down i was still on on top of the mountain and i had this that time when the caesar was happening everything just mm-hmm. you don't know in, anything that is happening with you. Mm. I had to ask Ruben afterwards, Ruben, why did it happen mm. with me? Because I was almost sick for almost two weeks after that. And then I was so worried and I made a booking with a um, neurosurgeon. I asked him, doctor, he must just make sure if the brain tumor is not back. Mm. So the 18th of the December, I went for another brain scan and the results came back and the doctor said, Rene, no sign of tumor. So I'm so grateful to God that I'm still free of a brain tumor and I'm still clean. So all my gratitude and all my praise and all my everything, just I want to say with everything that is within me, I just want to say thank you to God giving me another chance and for keeping me sane and for keeping me healthy. Do you think God saved your life? Definitely. Definitely. Because if it hasn't been for God, if it hasn't been for God and for prayers of the church people, prayers of family members that went out for me, I wouldn't have survived this brain tumor. So everything, it's really 
about God. What do you want to say to every young mother, every granny, every parent that's listening that has the desire to give up? What do you want to say to them? Um, I just want to tell everybody never, never, ever to lose hope. Because there was a time that I always that I that I want to lose hope, but then God just remind me that He's got my back and that I can put my hope and my trust in Him. So if there is a parent outside there that is maybe sick and want to lose hope, I just want to tell you, let God be your anchor, let God be your hope. Put your full trust in God because if you put your trust in God, He will never let go of you. You're a miracle. Yes, I am. <laughs> and I just can say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving me really. If I want to say it every time to you, I just want to say thank you, God, for giving me a second chance. And that second chance I want to use to the best of my ability, to the best of my ability. And that's why I say 2019 is my year <laughs> yes. that I'm going to walk in victory and I'm going to walk in the authority of Christ. Yes, and that is my vision for 2019. Renee, all I can say is wow and praise be to God. I am excited for your life. Renee Smith is a walking miracle. And she's given her story to to you and to me as part of babybrunch.co.za. Listen to more of our podcasts live on this platform. I hope this inspired you because, wow. Ek is die water geslaan. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Lana. Thank you for, for the opportunity for sharing my testimony to you and to the people listening to me.